Well, I um, I mean, I, I started recording. Me too. Um, I don't know whether that was the, the wisest <clears throat> thing to do. I mean, it, it's a possibility. I mean, we can give our introduction as we usually do. We can. I suppose we can do that. I mean, this we're getting into it a bit quick though. If we do that, aren't we? Are we? Well, I mean, normally we normally we kind of we kind of like take a good long run up at it. Yeah. Is what we normally do. We take a good long 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 run. We kind of relax into it. We're sort of yeah, you know. Nice and mellow and, 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 and sort of, what's the word I'm looking for? Sedate. There's no way that we are sedate. I've been sedate. I've been sedated. Oh, that's the thing, yes. Yeah. Well, I they don't like think I've ever been sedate. They like me better when I'm sedated. Ew. Sorry. <laughs> wrong, wrong, bad wrong. It's a good song, though. Yeah, it's a good song. Um, <coughs> I should explain, I've got a terrible <clears throat> cough. Um, I don't think it's the thing. But it's a bit annoying. It's like I get I get like a, a, a tickle, you know? Yeah. In my throat there. Right there. You see? Uh-huh. There. I can see. Yeah. Yeah. Only on the inside, obviously. And and because it's on the inside I can't scratch it. No. Um I, it would be difficult to. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, it just makes me cough. And then when I get started <laughs> coughing, I can't stop. And I suppose technically that makes it an um uh what's the what's the phrase? A new continuous cough? You know, but it's not continuous. It's just like every now and then, like now. Yeah, you get a bit. <laughs> It'll start off and then it's probably because I'm talking. Okay. I'll edit this out. Do you want some water, love? I should go and get some water, you get, probably. You go get some water. Keep I'm recording. I'm going to sit here and go la, la, la with the lovely people. Keep recording for a minute. Because, you know, we haven't actually started yet. So we we're haven't. just in kind of pre-campfire, pre-party party. I don't know what it's called. Go <laughs> get water, woman. Oh, go get water. Go. For goodness sake. It's just you, me, and us, lovely listeners. And the lovely Kate is just getting water from the nearby helpful fluorinated stream. She'll be back in a minute. And then we'll start out with our proper greetings, as we usually do. Better? Yeah. Okay. There's a lot of controversy amongst the hedgehog community about fluoridizing the water in the stream. Yeah? Yeah. Some of them say it's good for the teeth. Some of them say it's all part of the New World Order. It's difficult. You know how fractious hedgehogs can get? They can become very spiky. Surprisingly, yes. Hmm. Did you say something about doing intros? I did. Okay. Are you ready for your introduction? Yeah, I trust the um, the lovely listeners will forgive all the assorted, like, you know, drinking and putting glasses down on a suspiciously hardboard sounding floor. That's because it is a hardboard sounding floor. Not in the virtual clearing, it's not. In the virtual clearing, it's all lovely earthy we could have a know, rock we could have a rock that's true let's call it a rock it's let's a wooden, do that a wooden sounding <clears throat> rock yeah all right over to you hey up the daft lummoxes Ooh, blimey 
We're getting the native tongue, are we? Get on into Frithcast. <laughs> Settle in, warm the knees, does the want a brew a mashing? <laughs> How am I doing? Very, very well. Welcome all you lads and lasses. Yeah? Yeah. Aye. The non-binary divine beings. Ah. And then what's still figuring it out? Excellent. There we go. Fantastic. Awfully well done, I thought. Thank you too much. Indeed. Um, so, yes, as, as, mm. as my um, beloved colleague says. Um... <laughs> You've no idea how to follow that now, have you? Not really. No, <laughs> no not, not, not a clue. Um, I, can, I can only see the, the I, I don't have an accent, as you know. No, I can hear. Um, yes. So, uh, you know, I, I, own, I, I speak completely neutral, accent free English. Wow. What? <laughs> Ooh, go on, say mouse house. As in a, a, a house with a mice in it? That one! Yeah. What is that? <laughs> what is that? <clears throat> I'm sorry, I was brought up amongst toffs. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, I haven't a clue. <laughs> I wasn't brought up amongst toffs, actually. So, might I, <clears throat> might I introduce you? Oh, please do. That would be jolly lovely. Okay. Um, I'm dreadfully civilised for us to introduce each other. This Aurea. Ah. Uh, this is uh, this is Suzanne. Yup. Um, Here it. Who's um, a heathen with a head full of stuff. Is the mashing? I've, I've just gone for some <gasps> water. Are you laking? Well, not yet, but we can after. Oh, nice. Well, if that goes down Snicket, they'll find cricket pitch and they can lack on there. Awesome. Will there be a muckle garlic, though? Because... Probably. I need to know. Uh, probably. If there's muckle gollocks, I'm not going. Really? I'll maybe go. Okay. So, do you want me to introduce myself as well? No, no, no. This series, my woman Kate. <laughs> she's grand. Oh. Only if you're in Lancashire, you would say she's gradely. Gradely? Gradely. Okay, yeah, I know about gradely. Uh, she's right grand missus. Um, although, to be honest, grand was probably closer only in my case it would need to be the french version grand grande 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 nice yes ariana grande grande ariana grande grande <laughs> <laughs> very prominent singer in the aspidistra community oh well yes do you think they've got the faintest idea what i hear she's a dreadfully dangerous woman is she yes okay it's one of her songs. Oh, is it? Yes. I'm sorry. That was that was culture. It was culture. Passes there was a me reference. By. I said it right up for you there. <clears throat> there was a swing and a miss. Well, it was okay. No, it was more that you bowled and I didn't even think to swing. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> um, you watched it rattle past you at 100 miles an hour. Yeah, what was that? Oh, was I supposed to? Yeah. No. Um. It refers to an old um, British uh, TV show called The Adventure Game, which some of our listeners may have encountered during their youth or subsequent. I don't know. Don't know this has ever been rebroadcast, which is why I say I don't know if it was ever sort of syndicated out and broadcast in other countries and stuff. Um, but it was this weird ass. Can I say that? Probably. We're we're we just did. We're a sort of we're kind of a grown up show, yeah. aren't we? So well, we can do, you know, to some extent. Occasionally. I can say weird ass at least. Yeah. And it was it was basically it was like a sci fi themed um if anybody's ever seen the Crystal Maze, which is very much more well known mm -hmm. um the thing with 
Richard O'Brien and later was Ed Tudor Pole mm-hmm. did it. Um, and it was uh, it, Adventure Game was a little bit kind of similar to that in that it was people doing puzzles and some I seem to recall there was some physical activities and stuff challenges that they had to do. Um, but it was all set in this place where uh, everything was a an anagram of the word dragon. Mm. So um, you had there was one it, it was it was it must have been like the early eighties and there was one one thing they had to do where they had to guide a a little beastie through tunnels and it was basically just like a BBC computer behind the wall mm-hmm. doing like a maze game basic maze game so it was like forward forward left forward forward you know get killed by monster but the creature that they were supposed to be guiding was a dog run and um there was also a character that would appear occasionally that was an aspidistra on a plinth and it would kind of glide around the place and that was the, that was the being that was in charge of the whole thing and when you met this aspidistra on a plinth you had to bow to it and say gronda gronda okay and that was the adventure game it was exciting it does sound that way yeah and it had little um coins little colored coins with shapes in them that were like Transparent plastic discs with coloured shapes in, like a little more with like a like a red triangle and a blue square and a little octagon and stuff. And they were they were the coins that you had to use in this place, and you had to have certain ones in certain sequences. And I don't know, I can't remember. It was years ago. <laughs> I remember the Dogrin, and I remember Gronda Gronda to the Aspidistra. Okay. And now. And now. Back to the plot. For something completely not rabbit hole and different, because we definitely do not get distracted oh, and start talking about other stuff. Good God, we're professional to a fault. We have a lot of faults and we're definitely not professional. I'm faulty to a professional? Yeah. Makes just more sense. Faulty. I'm professionally faulty, yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. So, um, we are here. It is Frithcast. Welcome it is epi- to episode... 149! 149! Of Frithcast! Of 149! Where we, which is to say you and me... That's us. And all our friends at the Virtual Campfire... Hello, lovely listeners! Hello there! Uh, we are going to be talking about... Yes! Well, we're going to be talking, but we might get some, you know... We might get some, some input from our lovely listeners uh, later on in proceedings. Yeah. You know how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. What are we talking about today? Well, I, I thought we've done quite a few episodes on archaeology recently, on remains, on burials, so I actually thought I wanted to refocus on theology. Okay. And specifically, the theological tension between the evidence we have of what was mm-hmm. and where we are now, and there will always be that tension between the two. It's something we've mentioned before. Yeah. And I want to kind of have a talk about how we might adapt it to the modern day, what kind of things we might do, what are some of the little things that you might want to step in and do. Hmm. Okay. So what I wanted to look at maybe as a starting point is maybe the popular perception of what people who are not heathens think heathens do, like that six panel cartoon of like what I what my parents think I do, what oh, yeah, my yeah. friends think I do, what I actually do. Yeah. Yeah, for me, that's where this tension starts. So if you ask somebody who is not heathen or not pagan what they think heathens and pagans do, aside from it being highly entertaining, Mm -hmm. it's also a really telling part of what the public perception of our faith is. Yeah. They might have 
the thing of, oh, it's that thing off the Vikings from the telly. Yeah. They might know it as the Upheliar that happens in Shetland and where people dress up and you set fire to a boat. Do you know, <clears throat> I thought that sentence was going in a completely different direction. Then. Did you? I thought it was going... Where did you think we were going to go? I thought it was going to... For some reason, you went when you set when you dress people up and set fire to them. That went dark really quickly. I know, but that's my brain. Wow. That's where my brain went with that sentence. And then when you went set fire to a boat, it's like my brain kind of went screechy brakes and had to turn that corner, you know? Yeah, drift round roundabouts. Yeah, basically, yeah. like on like Kingsman 2. Mm-hmm. That was the best bit of that film. Did they set a boat on fire in Kingsman 2? No, but they did do an awesome drift round a, a bend in a road taken from an aerial shot. Oh, okay. And okay. it looked mighty, mighty good. Oh, okay. Also, it has um, Mark Strong in it. Oh, well, that makes you happy. It definitely makes me happy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, go on. You ask people what the public perception of, of pagans is, and if you're really lucky, you might get occasional understandings of what heathenry is. Yeah. Of the fact that, you know, we all dress in furs and bits of chainmail and drink mead and do big kind of rights at midnight it's like no I, I, i'm over 40 i don't do midnight anymore <laughs> i what's, do like slippers and a hot drink in a nice early night that is cracking i do not do this midnight ritual in anymore it's just cannot do it i mean I'm, I'm 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 aware that theoretically there is such a thing as the middle of the night there is <laughs> what did we see it get called the this morning oh, the butt crack of moon noon the butt crack of moon noon that yeah. was an absolutely awesome that's, that's got to be recorded for Posterity. No, that's the other thing. Posteriority. Posteriority. Yeah. No, that's not what you meant. Posterity no. is what you meant. Okay. I was thinking of posterior and haha double entendre joke, but I epic failed. I do apologise. It's quite all right. I was entirely not thinking along those lines. Would you like to do it again? Why were you not thinking about butts? I. It's a rarity. I admit. Would you like to do that one again? No, no. You're all right. Okay. The moment has passed. All right. Fine. <laughs> I'm just a spoiler. I'm just I just spoil stuff. I spoiled the Ariana Grande thing. I spoiled the posterior thing. So if you ask the public perception of what heathens do, it will be very lucky that you get any kind of distinction from pagan in general. Mm-hmm. But occasionally you'll understand, you know, you'll get the the feedback that we're all Vikings. Yeah. Unless you, happen, some unpicking. unless you happen to live in York. Unless you happen to live in York, which where you might get a little bit more of a nuance. But the public perception of heathenry is a very distinctive stereotyped image. The modern public perception of heathenry mm. is, a very mo- is a very stereotyped image of what we do as a faith. And that makes holding this faith as a legitimate faith practice quite a challenge because... Things like modern media, paper representation, newspapers, reporters, opinion columns will instantly go for that obvious stereotype rather than looking at the nuances of what we all do in modern faith. We've got a saying on this podcast, we can't tell you how to heathen, Mm. which we haven't said for a long time. So we're going to say it again. We We can't can't tell you how to heathen. And that is... I think we did that rather well. Thanks. Um, and Wasn't that rehearsed be... or anything. Do you know we didn't, did we? No. Wow. Please, go on. I just need a minute after that. Okay. So... Sorry, listeners, we're a shambles. 
<laughs> you know that. You've listened to us for 148 episodes and this one. They know we're a professional shambles. It's they fine. Um, so looking at the the public perception of heathenry and what everybody thinks we do and what we know we do, that can make media reporting on you know us wanting to be taken seriously, it can make it quite a challenge because their easiest view is straight to stereotype. Yeah. You know, uh, I'm thinking of a few years ago when the public was suddenly aware that there were druids in the police force and druids get days off. Yes. It's like... Yeah. Like every other officer gets days off yeah. to do what they want to do with. That... You, know, you could have gone with Sikh officers get days off or, uh, you know, Hindu officers and yeah. Muslim officers get days off. But because it's that struck... paganism, it's that's the big stereotype. And that, that struck me. What makes it become very difficult for us. Yeah, that struck me about that reporting because it was it was taking something that was perfectly normal procedure. Um, at least as I understand it, you know, um, people... Um, Officers would get an allocation of leave, the same as yeah, any, any other, other any other employee. One hopes, at least, um, which they could take sort of as and when they wanted to. And and other than that, there were, I mean, Britain, like a lot of countries, has certain public holidays, mm. um, which are allocated at fixed times of the year. So we have, um, you know, we have like one for May Day, we have one for Christmas, we have Boxing one for Day, late spring New Bank, Year, and Easter, yeah, all yeah. these. So. You know, everybody gets those, and they there doesn't matter what faith you are. It's like they are ones that everyone gets. But obviously, you know, with with I pres- with organisations that run twenty four hours, you know, all the time and don't close. I imagine it's the same in all the emergency services. You know, mm. they people will some people will need to work those holidays, so they'll presumably get to take them at other times. And and that was something. There was a lot of discourse over those reports that were going, oh, yeah, yeah, like, druids have such and such a holiday and they get the right to do this and they get the right to do that. Oh, yeah. People are saying, yeah, but everybody gets the right to do those things. Yeah. You know. So it was it was like a non-story, but it paid into the public perception of heathenry. And it, I think it's, it's challenging for us as heathens living in the here and now, mm. not only to have to look at combating stereotyping yeah. and being wanting to be taken legitimately um here in the uk there are steps to um, you know get the government to recognize um, pagans in staff networks in the civil service as chaplains in particular organizations so there is change starting to happen at Mm. ground level which is then affecting what happens at higher levels and it's kind of like you have the the tension between that and the modern stereotypes and we have a whole extra heap of how do we do this because we have the ancient accounts of how they did do it mm. which the majority of which don't translate over because they're culturally embedded yeah we cannot have an exact same replica in the modern day no it cannot be as precise because the culture is completely different so we have to look at redefining what this faith means to us, mm. redefining what it is in the modern era, and look at having it battling stereotypes, looking at legitimacy within you know, recognition at, at government level, at civil servant level, at organisational level. Mm. There are some organisations now that have pagan chaplains amongst multi-faith and interfaith 
groups and services. So certain organisations that have a multi-faith chaplaincy will have a pagan chaplain. Yeah. Universities can have pagan chaplains. So the legitimacy is starting to come in through with people recognising that, yes, there are stereotypes to this, but there are also... There is also legitimate a, a, legitimate, a legitimately held faith and belief mm. in this as well. Yeah. But Can... then you would say, right, well, what does that practice look like? Mm. No, I was just going to say, just just while we while we sort of hovering around the the, the point <clears throat> that you made a little um, uh, a couple of minutes ago, um, if I if I may roam for a little for a little while, <laughs> do you see what I did there? I did. <laughs> Rome. Um, if I may roam, there's no place like Rome, etc. All Rome's lead to road. All Ro- yes. Um, but it's actually it's interesting you say about the the the, the limitations on um, modern practice in terms of the fact that the faith back then would have been tightly woven in with the culture, mm. uh, and much of the culture doesn't exist anymore. And it and it interests that interests me particularly because um, in Roman paganism, they obviously the the the, the practices that People, we look back at, at, at ancient Rome and the practices, the religious practices back there, were the same as the civic, mm. as civic life. So it wasn't. It was civic life. Yeah, I mean, it was so tightly woven together that the two were basically the same thing. So mm. the idea to a Roman, the idea of, I mean, in, it's it's more of a, a a thing in the states, obviously, with where you have the concept of separation of church and state. Mm. Um, in Britain. In theory, we're a secular government or we're, we're, we're a, a secular society, but we do still have the establishment of religion in our government in the sense that we have bishops in the House of Lords. Yes. And we have a, a, a state religion, which is the Church of England. In th- well, yes. In theory. We, we do in theory, <clears throat> and we have holdovers like those statutory holidays, which are based around yeah. Church of England year. But we still have a, a, a moderate degree. I mean, those those... Those bishops, they are very much a minority in the House of Lords. The House of Lords has, um, you know, a relatively limited. It doesn't have sort of. I mean, I, I don't want to get into too into the, the the weeds of of the British political system, but you know, it's not the primary legislating body. No, let's put it that way. So you know, there is still some 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 open space between the church and state even here, but. In Rome, there was none at all. Everything was done. All the political activities were done under the auspices of one god or another. Yes. Um, so to practice Roman paganism today is very, very much a case of you have to try to extricate the religion elements from the civic elements, and that's extremely difficult. And that's why a lot of Roman pagan groups tend to be very focused on sort of reenactment or revival or mm. what have you, whereas I tend not to be. And it's you know, and it just interested me when you said said because I can I can kind of relate to that. Yeah, it's it's a strange thing because I can't I can't walk out of our house, and go into a settlement and see runestones lining the road. Mm. I can't see inscriptions. I can't pass a uh, an outdoor veil, a sacred space. I can't pass a shrine. I can't go into a settlement and visit a temple space. If we walk down the the street here. Mm. And or if we walk, walk you know, down the, the, through through our where our house is, and we see runic graffiti on the walls, chances are you put it there. It, it, <laughs> oh well, let's just say it ain't going to be that kind of graffiti. It's going to be a very different kind of graffiti. If I start seeing runic graffiti around here, 
uh, yeah, no. <laughs> it's not going to be good graffiti. Yeah, no. Uh, so there is very much that removal of faith from culture. Mm. So then as modern heathens, we have that tension between how do we honour what is past and how do we honour what is now? Yeah. We can't recreate that society that is now mm. or the society that was now. Yeah. So therefore, do we look at adapting the faith to the society is now? Do we look at ourselves as out of place and out of time and we try and take our lives back as far as we can to what was? Mm -hmm. And do we... That could go through anything. When we offer the gods a drink, do we blot them and offer a glass of mead yep. made by a, a modern meadery and apiaries and bees doing their bee thing? Or do we offer them a beer or a cup of tea? Mm. And... For me, my faith isn't just something that I mark on festival occasions. Mm. It isn't something where I can put all my gear on like once or twice a year and go and have a huge big blowout that will last me for the next six months and then I can do it again and it will last me for yeah. the next six months. For me, faith practices little and often. It's tiny things in a day, Yeah, you know, each day. Maybe slightly different things, but something in each day that connects me and grounds me to the faith that I have. And whether we have discussions around, you know, do we wear specific clothing for ritual and is it 10th century because that's traditional? Mm. Do we have a particular um, dress or robe or top that we use when we go out and do ritual because that's sacred to us? Yeah. How does that translate in the tension between <clears throat> what was and what is? Mm. You know, we're looking almost at, the norns what what was in the past what is now yeah what will be i think for me the 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 question is what is it that is consistent over all this time i mean yeah, yeah we've 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 long we've long puzzled over the question of of, of what is it that pagans all have in common um, <laughs> that discussion can last days <clears throat> oh that's one for another day definitely but but in in a way this is like this is like that question but but like a long time instead of across a community if that makes sense yes so we're just flipping it 90 degrees and we're saying okay so what is it that we have in common as pagans today and i'm saying i say pagan because i'm, I'm including myself because yeah, yeah. We, we have you know we are people who have an affinity with and a draw to what i might carefully term a historical faith mm. you know a faith that was practiced i mean christianity is a historical faith it's just that it's one that is, has continued has continued with relative amount relative degree of of of, of influence and mm -hmm. um it's it's got a lot of follower numbers let's say you know might have one or two um They're pretty groovy the, the, you know yeah it's, it got a little plaque from youtube and everything now um, <laughs> but um the question for me is what is it that is consistent we've talked about the fact that the the, the faith in in each of our cases was to some extent meshed into the, 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 the sort of civic life. The civic life has changed immeasurably. What is it about the faith that continues? And yeah. what was underlying <clears throat> yeah. what are the underlying threads? And we're back to threads again, but what are the underlying threads in civic life? Mm. We don't approach a funeral in the same way anymore. No. And some of us thinking about the funeral that we might want might think actually yes I want I would love to do a funeral in that traditional 10th century style, which there's quite a bit of variation in, in burial practice. But yeah, true. 
you know, you want to have that kind of practice. There might be one that particularly calls out to you and says, this is how it should be done. Yeah. And so, that, to some extent, has to be, um, you know, your, your own individual sort of theological reflection. Yeah. Telling you this is right for me. In that choice of burial practice, we hit that tension again. Mm. What is possible in the modern day and what was possible then are two different things. I'm just thinking about the... Um, the guy, and I'm sorry, I can't remember his name. The guy who did the Viking burial thing. He did um, a presentation that we went to see one year. I say presentation. It was it was kind of somewhere between storytelling and stand-up comedy. It was basically a guy who I'll I'll find the I'll get the details and I'll put it in the in the in the in the show in the notes. Yeah. Um, but it was a guy who had a friend who had a a, a terminal diagnosis. I remember this one, yes. And the friend, they'd watched, they'd, they'd always been very fond of the, was it like a 1950s movie called The Vikings? Yes, yeah. And the friend had said, when I die, I want you to give me a proper Viking burial with, you know, the boat, the, the burning... boat and set it on fire. Yeah. Yes. And so his, this, this story he did was all about how he had to try and get his mate's body. Yes. Um, two, two friends. Yeah. Trying to organise, yeah, that, simultaneously had me absolutely howling and in floods of tears it was just beautiful it, it really absolutely was. was it was team viking team viking yeah yeah i'm sorry i can't remember the guy's the, name because the performance was called team viking we will see if we can find you a link because it was quite a spectacular evening it was it was poignant and it was funny and it was it was absolutely i was i was a bit i was a bit hesitant about going in to be honest because you know, at the time, I was, I was, I was having a bit of a, uh, I was having a bit of a wobble, and I'm like, I don't think I want to go in and, and, and sort of face, you know, this show that's all about death mm. and stuff. And but he just, it was, it was brilliant. But again, it comes to this thing about the our modern society does just doesn't support that. No. You know, there's no way you could go to a registry office or whatever and register a death, or to a funeral director and say. This person was was very much of the of the, the sort of Norse faith, and I want to do it properly. So therefore, yeah, therefore we need this arranging. Yeah, can't do it. But it's the same with registering births. And here in the UK, you have to register a birth within so many days of that birth happening. Mm. In that society, you might not give a child a name for quite a while because the infant mortality rate is massive. Yeah, and therefore, you don't want to give a child a name until you're sure they're going to survive. Yeah marriages our marriage ceremonies are even the ones where we have a pagan ceremony they're a very different experience to a 10th century ceremony oh yeah you know we walk between venue and house we're walking on tarmac yeah or we're walking through a a field that's been plowed with a mechanical plow yeah or we're looking across a landscape at breeds of cow and sheep that shouldn't exist yeah and so how we mark major life events is a point of tension how we mark our faith not only at big festival events but on the day-to-day action is a point of tension Mm. whether we choose every day to walk past a little household shrine and just give them a nod whether we choose to have a quiet moment and make when we make ourselves a brew make them one as well yeah and just sit with them on a porch on a step just have 10 minutes of quiet and drink a brew mm. with the brew for the gods and say hey gods i've made you a brew do you want to come and join me for a bit of just a sit down and a quiet that could be enough yeah it could be 
enough just to have that moment of connection on a commute. It could be that if you're working in retail and you're having to do stock management through the night, which is a tough job, I'll put it that way, Mm -hmm. then are you using that time between going from your cage to your shelf and rotating your step through sell-by dates to to say mantras in your head? Mm. Or to have music playlists and things playing through one ear of your headphones are you using the time between calls and a call center or as you do a cleaning routine yeah as you clean down your kitchen at the end of the night as you leave the office as you go on your commute as you wait to pick the kids up you know you've arrived at the school early Mm. and you've got five ten minutes before they actually get released can you use that time to just do a grounding a short prayer inside your own head Mm mm-hmm sit and say two minutes of mantras and it's little for me it's yes it's the big festival days yes it's the big markers yep and yeah we need to do a whole episode on calendars and festival days because that's a big bag of ferrets well as long as you don't expect me to try and talk about mine (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly so because by crikey so for me there is a lot of tension between the what was and what is. And if I bring that full circle, the will, what will be, mm. when I, there are descendants of our communities, of our faith, the ones in the future are going to look at us as ancestors. Yeah. What kind of things can we explore now that will help their faith, faith practice have a solid basis so they can explore it to a deeper level within their lifetimes? Mm. What kind of things can we do now that make us good faith ancestors for those that will come. I think, again, it comes down to what are we focusing on in terms of... It's like, to go back to what... To go, to go more or less back to the beginning and what you were, what you were saying about the, the, the sort of stereotype view of, of, of things. I mean, I, I think, to some extent, we probably do it ourselves um, in a way because... We tend to be very, and I'm exactly the same. Don't get me don't get me wrong, and I'm I'm certainly not implying this as any kind of criticism. It's just I think it's natural for us to do to do this because our we are of faith um, traditions that are not. I'm not going to say they're not supported. I'm not going to say then they're, they're they're certainly not. I mean, I have I have as as we know from previous, I have some issue with the idea that you know we our faith practices are being in any way kind of suppressed. And all that sort of thing. I think I think there are places in the world, and even places in our our respective countries, where you know they would be viewed with some degree of suspicion and discouraged, and and, and, and so on. But I don't think it's because you know society is, is is sort of saying you can't do that in general terms. But nevertheless, we still have this idea that we have to, I think, be a little bit louder to try to emphasize the fact that you know there are other traditions mm. there they are valid they have their own character and their own you know and i think in a way some of we we put some of the aesthetic part of things in in quite a on quite a high level if that makes sense mm. so i think you do tend to get a lot of you know um we we want to we want to make the statement in, in in effect we want to sort of say yeah this is who i am this is what i believe it's okay. Um, whereas a lot of people, you know, you'll, you'll go out into the street and you, you might pass a dozen Christians and, you know, in Britain, a dozen Christians and depending where you are, a, a, you know, maybe a few uh, Muslims will go past and whatever. And you probably won't 
there'll be nothing about them specifically as you walk past them in the street that will say this person is this or this person is mm. that. Whereas we tend to want to be a little bit more open about it, a little bit more, I'm not saying pushy, mm. you know, but a little bit more sort of illustrative yeah. might, might be a good word. But it's a but it's a question of again what what are we what what is it about what are we actually focusing on? Am I making sense? Yeah, I'm probably not making no, sense. No, no, it's pretty good. It kind of reminds me that this faith is not just words. Mm. It's not just what we say; it's what we do, mm. and it's what we do within our own own individual capacities, and our own individual budget and time constraints. Yeah. It's what we choose to do with our time, mm. whether we choose to put that time towards developing our faith and faith practice beyond reading one book and deciding we're a Viking. Yeah. Or, you know, what deeds are we doing? What kind of things are we doing to not just tell people about our faith, but show them what it does? Mm. I'm reminded... Uh, I do really rather like the the quote from the book of James. Um, Faith without deeds is dead. Yeah. And I quite like it because it's short, it's pithy, it's to the point, and it's very practical. And it reminds me very much of the Havamal in that respect. <laughs> it kind of, of does. Kind it has of, that character, doesn't it? Of, uh, yeah, of kind of saying, if it doesn't matter what time or budget or resources you have... It's not what items you own or what books you own or what books you've read or how deeply you can quote the sagas or whether you know the name of Thor's brother or not. Yeah. But it's about what you do and how you deepen your own individual faith path. Yes, there is an academic element. Yes, there is a learning element. It's not called the one with the homework for nothing. (laughs) But there is a very deeply personal element to this as well. And that tension is also there. Mm of how much we emphasise, you know, do we all want to go out and learn Old Icelandic? Mm. Do we all want to go out and learn Norwegian or Swedish? Yeah, yeah. If that is a genuine part of our faith practice, then yes. But if it's something that we feel we have to do to keep up with everybody else... Not so much. Don't need to. You know, not everybody is the same as everybody else. Not everybody's going to have... You take two Thorsmen... Mm. They will have completely different experiences of that deity. And that's how it should be, I would say. That is exactly how it should be. So the ways, the paths that we walk are not going to even be remotely close to identical. It's, I'm, again, I'm exactly the same. I mean, I'm I'm having yet another stab at learning Latin. Um, I have had stabs at learning Latin before, and I've never been very good at it. It, Brutus, he's really good at it. What, having stabs at things? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so you got that one. So I'm told. <laughs> yeah, oh, I loved that. I loved in watching through HBO's Rome again. I, we have, we have I been. have no objections to this. And it's. I think it's absolutely... There was a lovely little touch early on when the, um, uh, the, 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 the assassinations just happened. I don't think it's a spoiler to say that Caesar gets assassinated, is it? No. What? I think, you know, that was... You've in... ruined it now, ruined! <laughs> um, yeah, you're right. It, it was it happened in 44 BC. It's like too soon. <laughs> too soon, woman, too soon! Um, but there's a... Because Shakespeare had Caesar do the et tu brute thing. But only Caesar. Uh, only Caesar. Only Shakespeare. Mm. That is from Shakespeare. 
there's not a, there's not a solid bit of historical account that says that's that he said that. No. Um, some people say he said you too, my child. Some people say you know, but there's no, it's not a solid thing. But Shakespeare put it in there, and that's what we know now that Caesar said. Going, echoing back to stereotypes. But the show doesn't have him say that. No. Which is okay. That's 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 one thing. But a couple of episodes later, when Brutus is is dealing with the aftermath of what's happened, mm. and he's sitting at home worrying about something and fretting, and his mother turns up and starts badgering him about something and saying, "You know, you really should do such a thing." And he turns around and goes, "You too, mother." Yes. <laughs> I just thought that was an absolutely beautiful touch. Yeah, but it's kind of recognizing the stereotype and and putting a new spin on it, which is kind of the heart of what I've been trying to say for forty four minutes. Yeah. That's the TLDR, just in case you didn't want to listen to the other 44 minutes, but then he only 44 minutes in, so you'd have had to to get the TLDR. True enough. I mean, it might be a bit shorter by the time you actually come to listen to it, because there's a, quite a lot of my rambling I'm going to cut out. But What? Um, yeah. Um, but because it's all, because it's just pointless <laughs> fluff. It is not pointless fluff. But there is, yeah. I mean, it does come to the same thing, and I think, I think, albeit we have, and I am, I, I will admit, I'm on. If I'm talking about it a lot, I'm on a bit of a religion kick at the moment. Have been for a while, but I do think we have certain things in common yeah. because we have, because as I say, we both have a historical faith tradition or historically rooted faith tradition, which yes. we now have to adapt into the yeah. modern world. And I think we both have to look at when I say what is the focus, what is the thread that connects them in the past and us now? What is the thread? The thread is the gods. Yes. Why do we worship the gods? Worship, revere, whatever. Resonate with. Acknowledge. Mm. Whatever whatever word you want to use. I appreciate they're not all the same thing. We, we don't all engage in active worship necessarily. But what is it about the gods that we want to acknowledge or show respect to is it some quality of theirs that we want to you see thing i i have this strange view of, of of deity which is that you know you 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 worship a god you you reverence a god whatever because they deserve it so what is it about the gods that we want to affiliate ourselves with with these ferrero rocher ambassador you are spoiling us <laughs> You can't just go affiliating people with your Ferrero Rocher. See why not? It will work for me. If somebody gives me one of them great big pyramids of those little crunchy chocolate goldy things, I'm, I'm in. I would get through that in ten minutes. Oh, I swear to you. I can see Freya being very happy with a whole pile of Ferrero Rocher. And now I can just now I'm just seeing um what's her name? I want to say Spengler. She wasn't Spengler. She was somebody else in the remake Ghost, the Ghostbusters remake. Mm-hmm. When she's complaining about the her inability to stop once you once you start on these ta- these crunchy parabolas or whatever it is, <laughs> but but no, this is the thing. It's like the the what is the core? The core is the gods. The core is the reason that we follow the gods because there is something about them that we want to associate ourselves with, that we want to dedicate ourselves to. After that core, that's where we have to start making decisions about what parts of this are important to us. Is the it might be that the aesthetic is important. I say I use the word aesthetic, but I don't mean to to diminish it. It is important for some people. Yeah, I must admit, I've got replica items. I've got a clothing, a set of clothing replicas that we have made. Mm. Uh, that I I went to a a theatrical seamstress and said, "Can you make this as a specialist order?" And she did. Mm. And those are, I don't know, eleven years old now. They have 
absolute resonance with me because I wear them for every ritual and that deepening association with faith is with those clothes. Yeah. I have a toga. Yes. I mean, granted, if I wear it now, it's giving a it's giving a signal. Now, if you wear it now, we'd have to dye your blonde your hair blonde. <laughs> True. If I wear it now, it's giving a signal that another Roman would look at and go, oh, ah. But... <laughs> Let me find my sister, she. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I mean, at the time, it was it was something that I, I, I wanted to, to, you know, to have for special occasions and yeah. what have you. And when you do ritual, you'll cover your head. Yeah. And so it's very much, do we bring some of those, do we choose which parts of that come forward to us in the modern day? Mm. And that's restricted in part by what is possible yep. and what we have access to in terms of time, money, budget, resources. What we what have the energy for. Yeah, what, what we have the mental energy for on the day mm. and what is is possible to us in the modern day. Mm. Yes, I have replica pieces, but I have some beautiful modern pieces as well. Yeah. I have some absolutely gorgeous modern statuary that sits on my altar. Yes. That There is no historical basis for that, but I love... The resonance of those pieces is what connects me to them. Mm. My oath ring is a modern one, not based on historical replica, but it's one that I do. Every big serious ritual has that either I'm wearing that oath ring or I'm holding that oath ring. Yeah. And it has frith cords on it. Yeah. And it has a great resonance for me when I do ritual, but it's a modern, it's very much a modern piece. It is, but the, but the, and this is this is the, the the crux of it, if you'll pardon the phrase. Um, for me, is the gods are modern. You know, they live now in the modern day. Yes. And I know there is a tendency to think that they are unchanging because they are outside of time. Yes. You know, they're not subject. Well, to you know, depending on your exact perspective, but you know, the gods exist while the things that they are that are their dominion exists. Yes. Exist. Yeah. But for you, yes, as a, a relig- as a Roman pagan, that's it is connected to those universal concepts that continue. Yeah. For me, it's a slightly different angle. It's a slightly different angle, but they are still as much here now in today's world as yes. they were in the world in the 10th century. And for Christians uh, and, and other monotheists, you know, God is independent of our chronology, our time. So in all those cases, Christianity is not an ancient faith. It's a modern faith. Yeah. Heathenism is not an ancient faith stuck in the 10th century. It's a modern faith now, here today. It's it's a here and now. And how I view my culture and how I view my wealth and how I view my time and my resources affects how I interact with the gods. Mm. And affects, to an extent, how I see them. Yeah. Because seeing an image of a, a, a 10th century Jarl with his war gear, all his war gear on, would be a hugely powerful image for me. Absolutely. But if he starts speaking old Norwegian, I'm narnered. Yeah. Because I will not understand a word. Exactly. I will be like, oh yeah, that that's cool, dude. But what? I'm expecting them to speak modern English to me. Because, I... Or any of the modern languages, because that's my native language. And if I need to understand the gods when I pray... I'm not praying in Icelandic. I'm praying in English. Yeah. And if they need to talk to you, they're going to have to speak to you in English. That would be nice. Um, I mean, I'm exactly the same. I mean, I am the single worst Roman <laughs> this planet 
has ever seen. Even if they did get to America, as 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 I've heard lately, mm. some 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 people speculating on did they did they find their way to America before Leif Erikson did? Um, no, they probably didn't. But even if even if they did, I am still by far the worst Roman there has ever been. I don't <laughs> abide by any of. I don't embody any of the the qualities that most Romans would have admired back then. I'm not a martial person. I'm a pacifist of sorts, you know, to a degree at least. I, you know, I, I don't like conflict. I don't like that kind of thing, and that's not very Roman. Um, <laughs> I'm not a, a, an emotionally strong person. I'm not a, you know, I'm more, I'm, I'm more sort of as, as Cicero was presented in the program. You know, mm. very, very much a kind of. I'll, I want to just sit and write and read my books. Yeah, just please leave, leave me alone book. and don't do nasty things to me. Yeah, um, but. Again, the the imagery, like you say, with your with your you know fully fully kitted up mm. warrior type, is a powerful image for you. And for me, the image of that you know that Senate House and everybody in the, or the image of those streets. Oh God! Yes. You know, you yes. Have the advantage that we can go and walk those streets. Yeah. Or oh. hearing somebody speaking Latin. Can I do a shout out for Luke Ranieri? Oh God! Um, yes! I've, I've, a, a YouTuber that I've only recently discovered is a, a guy called Luke Ranieri who's, who does um, uh, language videos and he's he speaks fluent Latin. Uh, fluent fluent classic, ancient classical, classical Latin. Latin. Yeah. Not um, ecclesiastical. Oh, he does, I mean, classic. he does ecclesiastical as well, yeah. I think. But, you know, he's, but he, can, he can... Yeah, he, he, he does all... And to listen to him... Mm. Or the the other guy I can't remember the name of. I'll have to look him up. Does um he's he does like a, a ten minute presentation on the Lorica Segmentata, the, the the that sort of okay. famous yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, banded armor that that Roman legionaries used to wear at one point. Um, and he does this ten minute presentation in Latin. <laughs> the whole thing. It's brilliant. Uh, yeah. When I hear it, I feel it. Yes. You know, just as you, just as you, no it's doubt, do just when just an absolute connection resonance. But if somebody starts speaking to me in Old Norse, my God, I love that language. It does something incredibly fun to my knees, <laughs> but I can't understand anything of it. But I love the sound of it. Mm -hmm. It is just something else. But going back to what you were saying there about you not being a martial person, mm. that struck another chord with me. The the society that we have now is not violence orientated. No. It has violence in it, but it tends to be illegal. It, it tends does. to be that most forms of violence are outlawed. Yeah. And if you engage in that, uh, engage in sanctioned violence, like, say, uh, martial arts fighting or boxing or reenactment where you're using weaponry, it tends to be in very, very short, very controlled spaces. Mm. But it's not that the whole society is martial, a martial society. Yeah. Whereas we, the gods, we tend to think we tend to think of war as something that we want to try and avoid. It's something that yeah. we, you know, um, conflict. You know, we, we want we're wanting to avoid that and yeah. have the sanctity of human life. Yeah, we 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 will. You know, a lot of people will 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 take the view, and I and I will to some extent accept that sometimes you have to fight. Yes. Um, but I won't seek it out. And I will always look for other alternatives and I won't enjoy it. No. You know? <laughs> but for me, my gods are steeped in it. Yeah. Yeah. Their whole outlook is the sagas and the, the, the myth cycle is full of it. Mm. But the society we live in now, mm. it's as, about as far removed from that as you can get. Yeah. 
So it's very much that tension, the whole tension for me and how I navigate that as a modern heathen, mm. how I navigate the tension between public stereotype and legitimate private faith practice for me, whether I look at, uh, you know, we haven't even touched on the very public far right no. influence that can then influence stereotypes and, and create... Maybe next episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And it can create that very public perception of these symbols and these people are very not, you know, they're wanting to take our society in a particular direction. And I get lumped in with that yeah. that grouping. So for me, there's a lot of tension in being a modern heathen and how I resolve that, how we all individually resolve that is individual to us. Mm. And our personal circumstances come into that, our our resources our physical ability our mental energy the things that resonate with us you know when we're talking about aesthetics the things that we want to surround ourselves with mm. that resonate with our faith and create those little moments of connection if i walk past our my altar it, it then i get that little moment of connection in a glance yeah of those statues are there that connection is there if i walk past uh, our little kitchen spirit in the kitchen, I get the same thing. Yeah. If I walk past the photographs of ancestors and family that we have on the wall, I get the same thing. It's those little, the little tiny moments of connection and refreshing mm. of faith, bringing it just back into that focus, that daily focus. Where do I take it in a day? Yeah. How do I enact my faith according to the book of James? How do I take the words that I say and how do I turn them into appropriate action? I'm just going to say I love I love the idea of a heathen sitting there saying, you know, how do I how do I fulfil what it says in the book of James? But but again, that I, resonates. For but me. it resonates. Like, and this, yeah. this is the thing. I mean, I've, I've, I'm doubt, doubtless I've said it before in 149 episodes, but um, <laughs> maybe <laughs> you know one of one of my one of my big my big principles is you know wisdom is where you find it. Yes. And if somebody says to me, oh, such and such a passage in the Bible or such and such a passage in the Quran or what have you says a certain thing and I resonate with that thing, I'm going with it. I'm not going to I'm not going to say, oh, it's in the Bible and it's in the Quran. It's not, you know, I, I no, reject it, it because it's not my. It, it deepens my faith connection. It, it resonates with me and helps me reflect on new ways to connect with the gods, with the ancestors, with the land that I live on. Mm. And I have obligation to steward. Yes. How do I take that historical accounts? How do I create those in modern day? How do I do that with the resources and the items that I have? Yeah. How do I live my life in the best way that I can with what I have mm. in the ways that I can and seeing all these different tensions that we all have to contend with? Mm. Mm. So lovely listeners, you've listened to me prattle on for nearly an hour. Yeah, I've done a, a fair. A I've one. done. I've done a fair share, to yeah, be honest. And it's okay. It's good. <laughs> it's good. So, lovely listeners, thank you very much for joining us around the virtual campfire. If you want to come and find us online and continue this discussion, maybe come and bring us attention or two that we've missed of the dichotomy that we have in in our faith as modern heathens or our faith as modern pagans. Shout out to the pagans in the back. You're welcome around the virtual campfire. It's all good. <laughs> Shout out to the Christians and Muslims in the bag. You are also welcome around the virtual campfire. It is all good. If you are a Nazi, you can get in the sea. Yes, I think that's fair to say. It's yeah. just down, you'll find it just down the uh, down the track there. Yeah, um, there's a pier. 
past the spaceport, there's a pier. It's a short pier. That's fine. Feel free to take a long run off it. I, I mean, you know, it's a very welcoming off. <laughs> Go right ahead. I think we've made the point there. Good. <laughs> got, got, Lovely I'm going to have to revise my impression of myself as not a martial person, I think. You can find us online. <laughs> I've lost my track and everything now. How to find us online. Yes, thank you. Go for it. If you want to come and find us online and continue these discussions, please do. It would be awesome just to connect, to have conversations. If you want to find me, my name is Suzanne Martin. You can find me on Facebook under that name. You can also find me on Twitter and on my blog as Githa in Jeans. And I am Kate Coldman. You can find me on Facebook uh, there. And while you're on Facebook, if you have a quick search for Frithcast Pod, you'll find our little page there, which will take you to a group. Um, you can join us in the group. And if you want to from there, there's a link to our Discord server. There is. Oh, Come uh, and hang out around our virtual virtual campfire. Virtual virtual campfire. Um, and uh, we'd, we would be delighted to see you there. Yeah, we would love to see you there. Come and share a brew. Come and settle in. Come and warm your knees. You are very welcome. Lovely listeners, we'll talk to you all next time for episode 150. 150? I know. 150. How fast are these going? I know. Woo. All right. Well, we shall see you then. Take care. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.